Welcome to The Mentor List. To turn you into the best version of you that's around. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Welcome to The Mentor List. I am Sharon Daly, Managing Director for Mentor List Talent, and I'm co-hosting today's episode with a good friend and director of Mentor List Digital and Advisory, Peter Jakowski. And I think I may have got your story wrong again, <laughs> but I'm always doing it to you, Pete. We're back once again with another episode focused on women in leadership. Speaking of women in leadership, on the show today, we have Nicole Forrester, who is Head of Office of Purpose at Fujitsu. Nicole brings to Fujitsu over 15 years of diverse leadership experience in Australia and across the Asia-Pacific region. As a former Australian diplomat, science translator, industry advisor, international nonprofit CEO, and diversity advocate, Nicole's expertise delivers inclusive cultural change through impact-driven strategy. Nicole joined Fujitsu in April 2021 in the newly created role of Head of Office of Purpose. Nicole is responsible for making a real difference through championing and driving transformative change across sustainability, diversity and inclusion, and their corporate social responsibility programs. As a member of the executive leadership team, Nicole reports to Graham Beardsell, Fujitsu Australia and New Zealand CEO. Fujitsu's purpose is to make the world more sustainable by building trust in society through innovation. Nicole and the Office of Purpose team is pivotal in Fujitsu's ability to fulfill its ambitions. Nicole joined Fujitsu from her role at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, where Nicole served as the inaugural representative in Washington, DC. Upon returning to Australia in May 2020, Nicole has designed and led CSIRO's philanthropic engagement program in alignment with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Her work at CSIRO has spanned its entire R&D enterprise with a focus on environmental sustainability through energy, water, agriculture and space research collaborations. Before joining CSIRO, as the CEO of Pacific Resources for Education and Learning, Nicole and her team across the Pacific Islands supported communities to grow their sustainability by utilizing indigenous traditional ecological knowledges alongside Western STEM to combat the impacts of climate change. Nicole's work has spanned global next generation leadership development, Pacific Forum CSIS, regulatory forum for the Australian Industry Group, and Australian-US Foreign and Trade Policy as a Diplomatic Officer with the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Prior to her diplomatic service, Nicole was an Associate Lecturer at the Queensland University of Technology's Ujuru Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies Centre. In 2017, honouring her Wiradjuri ancestors, Nicole founded Gamara, meaning Awaken Consulting, to support organizations with strategic diversity and inclusion advice across the government, industry, education, non-government, and community sectors. Nicole, wow. <laughs> and now I can breathe. 
That is absolutely fantastic. Outstanding accomplishments from you, Nicole. I'll pass over to Nicole to say a nice introduction and knowledge of the country also. Thanks, Sharon. Before I start, I wish to acknowledge traditional custodians of this nation, the Kwandamuka people from where I'm calling in today, and my ancestors, the Wiradjuri people, and pay my respects to the elders past and present who have walked upon and cared for this land and its seas for tens of thousands of years, and to all First Nations peoples from across all the lands upon which we live and work and listen from today. I was delighted to accept Sharon's invitation to be with you here today and to meet Peter and to have a chance to speak with your listeners. So thank you for allowing me to join your podcast today. Thanks, Nicole. That was wonderful. That was beautiful. Thank you. And Nicole, we have gone through so much of what you've accomplished, which is absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure for our listeners out there, they're just probably the same. When I read your bio, I was like, oh my goodness, impressive. So I imagine for a lot of listeners, they can relate and and really learn from somebody like you. And uh, we thank you for being on the show today. Going on from, I guess, what I mentioned in your bio, if we could dig a little deeper, Nicole, if you could tell us a little bit about your career story, I guess. Thanks, Sharon. Sometimes when I hear people read that bio, I I say to myself, gee, I think I might have an attention span problem uh, because (laughs) in my my short 30 years of working full time, I've managed to do a, a few things. But I think that underpinning all of these experiences have been a curiosity about how to bring together some things from my cultural background and from my education experience that brings the threads of how we use science together with traditional knowledges to really come from a place of trust and respect and empathy and how do we aspire to a world which has a place for everybody to feel included and I just feel that I've been really lucky to kind of have that thread of relationship building and connecting the dots across different people's knowledge sets to create solutions that really deliver impact in more than one area of operation or domain of impact. I, I say that us blackfellas, which is how we refer to ourselves here as Aboriginal Australians, we don't live our lives in silos. And so what we do is we bring our whole selves to work, regardless of what sector we're in. And then we pull in the people that we know that can help fill out those knowledge gaps. So we're, we're natural collaborators. And I think if there was one thing that I've brought to my journey and to those who have been able to share that journey with me is that spirit of collaboration, because everyone has something to bring to the table and creating space for those conversations is really where I I enjoy the most of the activities of the work that I do that underpin the impact. Excellent. And we, we share a common passion, Nicole, for diversity, equity and inclusion. What are your core findings of gender equity and diversity throughout your kind of time? I think we're making progress. We've come a long way, but there's more to be done. And and that is what really excites me about the opportunity to be the head of the Office of Purpose at Fujitsu. When I started out, I wasn't actually able to do the career that I wanted to do because it was restricted to only men. I wanted to join the Australian Navy and to be a clearance diver. So using my passion for the marine environment and for technical things to, to help protect Australia, my homeland. But unfortunately, apparently, even though I was 
was a very skilled scuba diver and a dive master, the fact that I wasn't a man meant that I wasn't allowed to go into that field. But that's okay because things turned out all right in the long run, I think. Uh, But I think when I think back about the different career that I could have had, um, it tells me that we've come a long way because those jobs are no longer restricted. And I see where we are today with organisations like Fujitsu who really are putting effort into creating inclusive environments for colleagues of diverse backgrounds, but in particular around gender because the tech sector uh, has and still is a lower representation of of women in particular, um, you know, and not even talking about our non-binary colleagues in our sector. And when you look at in particular technical roles, and Sharon, I know that I'm not telling you anything new here, that the representation of women (laughs) in technical roles in technology organisations in Australia uh, is is really much lower than what it should be. And so the reason I'm excited to work with Fujitsu and and in particular with Graham Bidsell, our new CEO, is because he has visionary leadership and a genuine commitment, which he showed through the creation of the Office of Purpose, to really put women front and centre in our strategy for growth. And he did that in a very practical way. When he came on board, he restructured our executive leadership team and created the Office of Purpose. I sit on the ELT. There's very few roles like this in the Australian New Zealand environment or even globally that has a horizontal line of sight across the entire business around three big buckets of work of which diversity, equity and inclusion is one, I usually shorthand that to inclusion. And the reason being is you can have all of the diversity that you like, but if your people aren't feeling included and able to bring themselves and their full selves to work every day and feel that that is their way to success inside your organisation, then diversity doesn't mean enough. Uh, So really I focus on the inclusion piece. Um, So inclusion is one of the three big buckets that the Office of Purpose has, and I get to drive strategy across the entire organisation and through my team's guide implementation. I think the other thing that really spoke to Graham's visionary leadership was that when he restructured the ELT, he created a balanced ELT. We have 47% female on our ELT, which I don't know too many tech organisations in Australia that are balanced at their ELT level and made a commitment to increase the number of female senior managers in the organisation. And I'm pleased to say that in the six short months since I've been here, we've actually started to convert those commitments into action and impact. And um, we're month on month, we're promoting um, more women than we are to men into our senior management roles. Fantastic. And yeah, we're, we're super aligned there, Nick. And I really applaud you and, and Fujitsu for all the progression there in that space. So well done. And I guess one reflection as well, what tips, advice would you give your younger self? Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> That's a great question, Sharon, especially as we get older <laughs> and we wonder about were the decisions that we made right? My first piece of advice to my younger self is, Uh, the decision that you make right now with the information that you have available to you today is the right decision for right now. I think living a life of regret and second guessing and not being sure of your decisions, not being confident in your decisions is one of wasted energy. And so that first piece of advice is 
own your decisions. They're the right decisions for what you can do right now and really invest in them. So once you've made a decision, then double down on it and really give it all of the energy that you have to make sure that you can be a success. I think the other piece of advice that I would give myself is you can have it all. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard work. But if you want to go after career and family and lifestyle, you can do it. You can balance. You don't have to make a choice, which is something that I think a lot of women, especially you know, as they reach maybe their early 30s, they have to think about that balance. What is it that they want? Do they want to be successful professionally? Do they want to make a lifestyle choice? Do they want to invest time in their families? And And what I've worked out is that if you do choose to take what you to take and invest in what you want, you get the things that have to be done, done. And if it doesn't get done, then it didn't need to get done. And it's really about prioritization. And that's how you get to balance. I think the other piece of advice that I'd give to myself is, is be brave and be curious. And I think I was already doing that, but I could have been braver and even more curious because one of the things that I think when people look at the journey that I've had so far is, gee, you might you might have kind of jumped across sectors, for example, but what I really haven't done is jumped across content. There's that kind of ongoing partnerships theme and ongoing theme around using different sources of knowledge and creating vast collaboration networks. So the content area for me is really based in traditional knowledges coming into modern interface with modern knowledges. I wonder if I had have done something completely different from a content area where that could have taken me, but that would have required me to, to be even more curious and more brave to try something completely different. Yeah, Nick, I can so relate and look, That's advice that you're giving back to your young self, but I'm sure our listeners are taking a lot of that advice as well. And we all have those little battles in our heads. So that's wonderful advice that you've given out to myself and the listeners as well. So thank you for that. Today's podcast is brought to you by MentorList, a collaboration of business services and professional growth. We connect the very best minds and insights in Australia to accelerate personal and organisational growth by leveraging and learning through lived experiences. If you love what you hear and want your own direct access to great minds, visit us online to learn more about our mastermind groups, business advisory, digital solutions, and our talent division. We are mentorlist.com. Sharon, from my perspective, like I'd like to explore the the office of purpose. Like I think it's a, it's a profound, you know, change to see a big corporation invest in that role and and have that as part of an ELT. Perhaps Nicole, you know, you could give some insight to people in terms of how within their own organisations they can you know lobby and push for this to be on the you know on, on the agenda at the ELT level, like. How have you sort of been able to work with Graham at Fujitsu to really give this idea of inclusivity, um, of environmental sustainability, um, you know, visibility at the executive level, cutting across the whole organisation? Really interested in your insights around that, please. Thanks, Peter. Well, I, I love that question because I I could talk all day about purpose. Uh, it's 
it's both um, an opportunity and um, an obligation. And uh, I think there's something that each of us can do in, in our existing organisations to really raise the profile of whatever you want to call purpose. I know for some, I often get asked, what does that mean? And Peter, you mentioned two of the three big buckets. So the inclusion bucket and the environmental sustainability bucket. And the third bucket is social impact. And when I said at the, at the beginning about not living our lives in silos, what this job and and the Office of Purpose have done for Fujitsu is really brought into clear refrain that these things are actually connected to our customers. And so the advice I'd give to listeners around how can we operationalize our sense of purpose as individuals within our organization is really look at what the connection is between our drivers of our business and our personal purpose. So for example, we as Fujitsu do a lot of work around sustainability and ICT sustainability and looking at new ways to help our customers deliver on their customers' sustainability needs and the ability to tell those stories with our customers about work that we're doing is one way that we can live and breathe our purpose. And then having an inclusion lens on that is another way to reinforce those stories. And I'll give you a really quick example of something that connects all three. So our customers, we have a large data centre business. So we have a lot of people who use our data centres around Australia and New Zealand. And we have a commitment to reducing for our own organization, our carbon footprint. So we looked at what can we do to reduce our carbon footprint and help our customers uh, in their scope three emissions uh, because we are reducing our carbon footprint. The flow on effect um, through scope two and scope three is that they get to reduce their carbon footprint as well. But then we said that's not enough. How do we actually go one step further and connect that to social impact? So what the things that we're uh, committed to increasing our partnerships with community organisations and with particular groups that we've identified that we want to invest in. One of those groups is First Nations peoples of Australia and New Zealand. So when we went to put on the solar panels of um to reduce our carbon footprint on our data centre in Eight Mile Plains in Brisbane, we specifically identified an Aboriginal-owned uh, and run business to install those solar panels with us. So that's the really the closing the loop is the connectivity between these issues really makes us able to have an impact beyond those individual areas of commitment. And so as each of us look at these things within ourselves, identifying what our areas of commitment are, I think think is absolutely the first step for an individual as well as how that fits into the organizational piece connecting it back to customers so how do we help our customers and their customers and then finally how do we amplify the impact of our decisions by nesting into them uh, second and third order effects by who we partner with and how we do our business. Yeah, that's amazing, Nicole. I mean, it is so inspiring and you can hear the, the passion in your voice. It's palpable. Where I was, <laughs> I was just going to say. I can feel it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I mean, I think, it, again, it's a breath of fresh air and, and long overdue to see in the corporate landscape, you know, these kind of priorities really getting, uh, you know, as I said, visibility at the executive level. And I think that your your passion and connection, obviously, with the First Nations people is um, really, really important. Uh, and I think that, again, 
um, that that idea of collaboration um, and diversity of, of thought um, is so important. So I think that's, again, a really interesting takeaways there. Actually, I, I don't want to just draw on that thread that you've made there. I, I think that how we know we've been successful uh, at Fujitsu with this Office of Purpose, because in a way we're, we're not just leading the Australian New Zealand corporate environment, we're also leading our Fujitsu colleagues around the globe because we're the only region outside of Japan that's actually created a dedicated Office of Purpose. So we're leading the group as well as leading our local landscape. I think we know we've been successful when we see other organisations take on the mantle of of course, purpose is the word that we use, but whatever word that other organisations want to want to use and elevate these issues for us that's, you know, diversity and inclusion, environmental sustainability and social impact. For many other organisations, it's the same thing. Sometimes people talk about environmental social governments or ESG. These things are all aligned and create executive level positions that do have horizontal line of sight. The other way I'd say that we know that we've been successful is when we create a community of purpose. That's something that I'm looking to do in the months ahead is take a collaborative approach to creating impact by by joining together, not just with customers, but also with people who have traditionally been competitors and work together on projects that recognise that we can't do these things on our own as an organisation and that to have the greatest impact, we have to collaborate with others. And I'm really looking forward to making some big investment announcements further down the track. Maybe I can come back and talk about them next year, which will really uh, focus on intergenerational impact and change. But we know at Fujitsu, we can't do that on our own. So we're looking to create communities of purpose in Australia and New Zealand to bring together people who are practitioners, but also people who on an individual level want to invest in these um, big impact opportunities so that we can work together to make a change that will benefit women, not just for today, but in for the generations to come. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, you, you've touched on a lot of the important uh, buckets there, inclusive, social, sustainability. And coming back to another uh, area as well, one of those buckets is uh, gender equity. Why do you think gender equality is so important? Well, I, you know, as a, a science, former science translator, I'm, I love data. I think whenever someone tells someone something to me, I say, show me the data and, and don't just show me from one source. You know, I, I need to know that it's verifiable. Uh, so the data is in that more diverse organisations, more diverse teams have better productivity and better impact and in a commercial sense better profits and so this has been well and truly researched and worked up internationally that we know when you include women into teams and into organizational structures that have traditionally been men that there is an immediate return to the bottom line so it's not just the right thing to do you know equality is a human right it's also smart business and I think that the organizations especially the, the internationals the, the large corporates internationally have really understood this for some time now and where we're at I think is that the, the goodwill is there and and the the desire and the commitment to do something is there and sometimes organizations are really struggling with the how and so I think there's a saying about by with and through what that means is it's kind of like that by all good means, you know, so as long as it's ethical and we're having a good impact, let's try to implement as many strategies 
from as many different touch points and perspectives as possible to create the impact that we're trying to have. So the impact that we're trying to have at Fujitsu is have, you know, well, we've got a, a balanced DLT or almost balanced. We've got to have, we've got to add an extra person to get that to, to, to 50% or um, uh, so, so we're as balanced as we can be with our uneven numbers. We also want to increase, and we are increasing the number of female managers, but we recognise that to create the company that we want to have tomorrow, we need to invest today in creating pipeline for young women and girls to get into the STEM sector and specifically into IT jobs and specifically into technical IT jobs. And that's where our focus is at the moment. We're involved in a bunch of partnerships externally about how we collaborate to create those pipelines. So, for example, um, with TAFEs, with universities, we haven't yet, but we are looking at how we can get into creating partnerships with the schools because we recognise that the younger that we can have a girl experience, a positive experience with STEM or with tech, the more likely she is to consider that as a potential career. And the longer that we wait to create that positive experience, the less likely she is. So Fujitsu is really looking at how we can bring, you know, all of the amazing things that we get to work on and create excitement for young women and for girls to join the tech sector because we recognise as an organisation that will benefit as much as they will from having them join us. Absolutely. I agree. I completely agree. And I think, you know, some of these words that go around sometimes that I hear like the quota of getting in, you know, women and things like that, you kind of think, really, quota? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, I, and I agree. It comes from uh, younger generations coming up and, and realizing the beauty and the, and the new world of technology and how exciting it is, you know. We, we know how exciting it is and we just need to spread that word around to the younger generation and they'll love it as well, you know? It's like well, I think in that context, Sharon, it's it's harnessing the power of technology, you know, to have social impact. And I think that sort of concept of shared value sounds like it, it um, you know, is, is firmly entrenched in the, the, the Fujitsu uh, strategy, which is great to, to sort of see and hear. Um, I think giving people yeah. visibility that they can invest in STEM in terms of themselves and learning and, and skilling up and then being able to have a, a far more you know, meaningful impact on the world in which they live in, um, in a positive sense, I think is, is really cool. And one, one sort of interesting point that I was keen to explore with the coal was around, there's been a lot of, you know, sort of articles in the media at the moment around the post-pandemic resignation, the great resignation. There's some stuff in the US now and obviously out in Australia that that's sort of starting to, to become part of the, the conversation. And I think What's really interesting from listening to Nicole today is that there's obviously a disconnection with purpose. And so what Fujitsu and Nicole are doing is so critical and important because I think part of that great resignation is really people not really feeling connected to any sense of true purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that, that office of purpose, I think, is, again, so so interesting to see because I think that's something that's really missing in a lot of organisations today. And I think they'll see that in terms of the engagement of their people in 2022 and onwards. Um, Nicole, do you have a perspective on that point? 
Yeah, I, so I think you're right, Peter, that the the great resignation wave is coming. It hasn't quite landed in Australia on the Australian shores yet. There's such a war on talent already because our borders have been closed, so the talent that we normally would have brought in from overseas hasn't been able to land. And what that's allowed, I, I think of these things not as challenges but as opportunities. So it allowed for us as an organisation to really invest in our own people and make sure that we were giving them the opportunities to learn and grow and develop as we wanted to promote them through our opportunities. And then um, I think the other thing that we've been able to do is really listen to our people around what's important to them. So we've been doing that in two ways or multiple ways. Two that come to mind is helping our individual employees through workshop um, kind of design thinking processes connect their personal purpose with our corporate purpose. And that's been really powerful to actually have a structured workshop with our people to say, help you define what your purpose is and then help you find that linkage to our overall organisational purpose. Really, people are connecting to that. And the other thing is to provide opportunities uh, where the organisation actually acknowledges that people are interested in doing things in their communities and that we should support them to do that. So we did a new policy about three months ago where we provided three days of annual paid volunteering leave where we said to our people, Go do skilled volunteering with organisations that you care about, but that also align with our focus areas for our inclusion. So, of course, gender is one of those, First Nations, culture and reconciliation, health and disabilities, LGBTI+. Uh, We have one for generations because we recognise that young people in the tech sector is an area of focus for us. And then we added another one around emergency first responders and veterans because we recognised in our communities that that was a group that we really wanted to engage in more and with more. And so our people have started, now that the pandemic restrictions have started to ease, people are reaching out and saying, oh, I'm going to do volunteering with this organisation and help them in this way using the skills that I have through my my job in Fujitsu. And they could be things like project management, for example, not necessarily technical skills, although some people are volunteering with their technical skills. And I think our people's excitement around the organisation supporting them through paid leave to volunteer with community organisations, the, the impact created is um, incredible, but the engagement is really, I think, something that's going to help as we, as that great resignation wave uh, does come down and land in Australia. Yeah, this is what it's all about, Nicole. Like, that's just amazing. Like, I, I think the impact is the perfect word to use there. Like, I'm blown away. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm sure our listeners will feel the same. And um, I guess look, the overall picture, we, we've touched on a lot of points. What I wanted to ask you as well is, I guess, for our women in tech and our women in leadership listeners, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the importance of having a mentor as you go through your journey as well? Oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> I I would not be here today without the mentors that I've had and I and mentors, multiple mentors. I am such a big believer in capturing people who 
enter my orbit and holding on to them and never letting them go, but in the best of ways. So I use the word mentor to describe not just people who have formally, you know, helped guide me, but also mentors as people who are thought partners and help me think through complicated issues in a way because they're different to me and my background. I think diversity of mentors is so important. Uh, I am so happy happy that I have my longest mentoring relationship is 30 years. And when I think about the, the, the richness of that mentoring relationship and how it has grown with me and with my mentor as we have moved forward through our careers and our personal lives, it makes me smile to think that I have I've had the privilege of having that person in my life. She is a First Nations professor, and I met her uh, very early on in my in my uni days. And the great thing about the diversity of mentors is that I have other mentors who are white men who are uh, CEOs of multinationals and the difference of thought between those mentors means that I can look at a problem that's really sticky for me from a lot of different perspectives and that really allows me to be the best of myself because I can take such a kaleidoscope view of all of the opportunities and all of the ways different ways that they could be navigated and um, I, I would say don't ever hesitate I've never said no to anybody that's asked me to mentor them. I think it's a privilege to be able to have that role for somebody else. I currently have three formal mentoring relationships and a bunch of informal mentoring relationships where people just reach out to me and say, hey, can I have a chat with you? And really just providing that sounding board advice. My approach to mentoring, which is one that I picked up from my earliest mentor, is one of asking questions. I never actually provide advice. Yeah. And look, you know, we can all take from, um, like you said, the, the mentor aspect and the diversity of who you have as mentors. And that's exactly why you bring in diversity to organizations, the same concept, right? So it all flows in together. But yeah, certainly I'm the same in terms of the, the mentors. You know, you learn from all different people, all different experiences. And certainly I like to mentor myself because you kind of want to protect people and almost save them from going through those experiences where you can, where you've been there, you've gone through it and you're like, here, let me tell you about this. So you don't have to go through it or, you yeah. know, guide them in the best possible way that you can. So yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Storytelling is a really, a really powerful <laughs> way for people to learn. So when I say I don't give advice, I don't say you should, because I don't like being <laughs> yeah, <shoot> yeah. <laughs> by people. But what I will say is, Hmm, your your challenge or whatever you're dealing with reminds me of a time. Let me share that with you and then back it up with a bunch of questions about how they're feeling and, and what they think. You know, I think centering ourselves in our truth, we will always make right decisions. Absolutely. And it's guidance, isn't it? A bit of guidance and everybody takes their journey where they're going to take it because it's all different. All our journeys are different and wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Do you have any quotes or words of wisdom that you would like to pass along to all the women in tech or leadership who may be listening today and, and who are still kind of facing these issues? Yeah, I, I uh, actually, um, so I was incredibly fortunate to have met uh, Colin Powell, who passed away uh, two days ago. And 
I think what I learned from him when I got to spend an entire day with him uh, was not necessarily uh, a quote, but a way of being. He he was a, a, a wise, uh, humorous, humble man of integrity who really created shared purpose with clarity. Like I, I just remember the conversations that we had when we spent that day hanging out backstage at this international event and how generous he was. So I guess my, my quote is, be kind, be generous, um, be humble, and um, and the world will will create for you what's meant to be. I love that. I love that. Great, great contribution to him as well. So yeah. thank you for that. Nicole, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the, the show today and to listen to your inspiring stories and the wonderful progressive, uh, you know, scenarios that Fujitsu are, are doing to, to fix these issues. So I really thank you for sharing that today and uh, also getting some insights into the wonderful world of um, women in leadership as well and, and your journey. So thank you so much. And we look forward to following your journey further. And like you said, we'll chat again next year when you have more <laughs> stories and scenarios for, for us. So thank you for joining us on the show. Until next time, listeners, this is The Mentor List. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today at The Mentor List. If you'd like to hear more or speak to us about recommending our next interview guest, come on through to mentorlist.com.au. You can also find out more about our suite of mastermind series taking shape in your area, your industry, and your discipline. We look forward to welcoming you to one of our events very soon. Stay tuned for another great show. for listening to The Mental List. If you like what you're hearing on The Mental List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mental List.